Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. This is the Sikkim Podcast, powered by Rogue Media Network. The Sikkim Podcast is a production of Baylor Athletics. Now, here are your hosts, Katie Smith and the voice of the Bears, John Morris. Hi, everybody, and welcome to this week's Sikkim Podcast, powered by Rogue Media Network, a production of Baylor Athletics. We're glad you're with us. Katie, Thanksgiving in the rearview mirror, finals, and Christmas right ahead. But the start of the NCAA volleyball tournament coming up this week. Yes, an exciting week. So much anticipation as the season has been going on, right? And this is what everyone's kind of playing for all year. And so we have Joshua Walker with us today who knows all about Baylor Volleyball and their trip on this NCAA postseason journey. So thanks for joining us, Josh. Yes, thanks for having me. We appreciate it. What's it like? Uh, man, it's a long season for you guys, but you've, you're through the regular season, finally here to the NCAAs. Yeah, I mean, kind of always break up the season into three parts. You have your non-conference segment, then you have your conference segment. And then, uh, yeah, we're hitting the third part of the season. And um, obviously, we haven't gone undefeated in the first two segments, so the goal is to go undefeated in the third. Yeah, talk a little bit about how y'all's non-conference, that first segment you're talking about, the the teams that you guys scheduled prepared you for this postseason run. Yeah, so – Obviously, playing teams like Minnesota and Wisconsin right off the bat was huge because um, we knew they were going to be one of the better teams in the Big Ten for sure. And obviously, um, Minnesota's going in hot after winning a couple games, winning at Nebraska, sweeping them, and then Wisconsin uh, winning the Big Ten outright. So playing those teams right off the bat kind of got us prepared and so like, as far as the level that we need to play at to compete against those kind of teams. And obviously beating Wisconsin, I feel, is a huge reason why we're even hosting this weekend. So that was a huge win um, in that that standpoint. And then as we went into um, more of the, the other parts of the season in which we're still playing non-conference, but it was a lot of tournaments. So um, getting used to the tournament format and um, if we're a late game, then waiting for another team to play and that just dealing with the, the kind of timing um, in tournament formats and playing multiple teams um, also kind of helps you at this point in the season, which, okay, you kind of know the routine when you're the second game or maybe if you're in an early game or something like that. So just understand that timing. And then obviously the teams you're playing, um, us playing Stephen F. Austin right off the bat is similar to teams that we played early in the year, like Sam Houston, who's in the same conference, um, McNeese State. They've all, we've all, we've actually seen St. Uh, Stephen F. Austin because we watched their video against um those teams that we already played. So there is some familiarity um, just from the stuff, the smart portion that we played them in the non-conference. Um, so I, yeah, I think we're as prepared as any team heading into the postseason right now. And you mentioned uh, hosting. Uh, congratulations on that, earning a host spot. Uh, in what ways, I mean, that's big. In what ways is that a benefit to you and the team? Uh, mostly just the travel, the familiarity, uh, especially us having a relatively young group 
um, heading into a tournament, um, there's a lot of stuff like the NCAA does a good job throwing the tournament on. And it's just the nuances, the practice times, all the there's so many differences when you when you hit the tournament um, compared to just a regular game or regular tournament, especially on the road. So being able to still be at home, sleep, still be able to be comfortable, um, have somewhat of the same routine is huge um, for a team that's gaining some experience. We've gained a lot of experience throughout the year, but this is just another part of which, okay, hidden tournament time, um, still get the familiarity with the gym and all that. That's huge for us, for sure. Yeah, that's awesome. You mentioned how young the team is this year and that we've seen that with how many players are on the all freshman team. So exciting. So congratulations to you and your program on that. But kind of talk about from a coaching perspective, when you take this team that is so new, is so fresh, maybe hasn't been to the tournament like teams um, that have had a little more experience in the past. How from a coaching standpoint, do you kind of lead your team when it's all so new uh, to those freshman student athletes? It's a great question. It's just about make sure they have the confidence. Like we're not in this position unless they already did the work throughout the season. Um, so at this point in the season, uh, most coaches are like, okay, we, we don't, we need to get to this point. It's just about uh, giving them empowerment, giving them the confidence to continue to do the things that they did to get to this point. So this part of the year, it's like, okay, we're not throwing a bunch of new stuff at them. It's just tactically what we got to do against the teams, but it's doing things to make sure that, okay, they're, as fully confident as they need to be from the service line, the serve receive, being able to tag the stuff that they've been doing well all year to be able to build on that. So when you have the extra emotions of being in a tournament match, that things still feel as similar as they did um, when you were going through the games and winning. So. Awesome. Congratulations uh, this week. Big 12 handed out honors and Baylor very well represented. Avery Carlson, the freshman of the year. And then Avery and Lauren Harrison and Mallory Talbert and Kara McGee, uh, first team all Big 12, and Kara a unanimous choice. That's really good representation, isn't it? Absolutely. I mean, those girls have been working hard all year, especially Ali Check, who uh, ended up making the second team. Like, she came in, she wanted to do well this year, probably got off to a slower start than she anticipated, but she spent the extra time in the gym getting better, getting extra reps. And um, toward, once we started hitting the back end of the non-conference segment into the conference part of the season, she really started to study out and be pretty consistent for us. For, so for someone like her, making the team is huge. Avery, um, as much hype as there was for her coming in as a setter uh, to be able to kind of to solidify herself as, yes, that she is one of the best setters in the country. Um, so that was huge for her to be consistent to that. And then the others have been there, done that. They've, they've, they've had the experience. They know what it takes to get through the season. They know what it takes to be one of the best team, one of the best players. But even Harrison in particular, because she had some injuries, and she was in and out of the lineup a little bit because of that. So um, just her balancing that role was huge. And then Kara's just been a rock all year. Both our middles have been dominant against everybody. We pretty much played all year. So, um, um, yeah, we've needed everybody to get to this spot. And uh, I'm glad that was, that was representation was showed um, in the postseason awards. So obviously before you were here with Baylor being this your first season, but when they went to the final four in 2019. So if I'm remembering correctly, and you'll have to forgive me because sometimes the years start to blur, but Kara <laughs> McGee, was she the only current player that would have been on that team? Uh, I'm, yes, I'm pretty sure Kara was the only team, only player that was uh, somewhat getting playing time for sure, um, sure. In, that, in that group. Yeah. But then when you look at, you know, even the players on the team now when they were being recruited, that was kind of what the storyline of Baylor was. How much do you feel like the 
Baylor's ability to get to that final four back in 2019 kind of affects these, the kind of the confidence going into postseason runs. Yeah. I mean, the girls, basically the freshman we have this year was directly influenced by that, that yeah. 19 run. Um, so for as far as them in choosing to come to a school like Baylor, they wanted to have those opportunities. Yeah. So they, they worked hard. They got to a team in which it's like, okay, we have a chance to, I'm at a, I'm at a program and a university that has a chance to go deep into the tournament. Um, so um, that 19 group, um, even though obviously most of them are gone, uh, it's, it's still like their, their waves have been felt. That's what you want with every class. When you have people graduating, you want the next generation to come in to, to keep building on that legacy. So this group that's in now, even though they're young, they have very high expectations for themselves and they want to build off the 19 group. They want to be better than the 19 group, um, which is exactly what we all want as coaches as well. So, um, so yeah, we're just hitting that next step of the, the growth of the program and hopefully uh, we have a good run this year. I love that final four banner that hangs in the Farrell center. <laughs> that is really awesome. Uh, that is fun to see. And it's not just that one year. This is seven straight years. Baylor's been in the NCAA tournament. That's, that's something you can recruit to also, isn't it? Absolutely. Um, you see, I mean, the transfer portal just opened up and there's a bunch of players that had good individual seasons, but I would think the main reason they're transferring is because their season is over right now. They want to have a chance to get to the tournament, um, be there consistently and continue to to build on what they're doing in their own personal career. So, um, yeah, just as far as like, OK, Baylor is one of those schools that, yep, you have a great chance to get to the tournament. Not only get to the tournament, you have a chance to host, um, be a top seed and, um, yeah, make it like your path is uh, a lot easier. You have some teams that, yeah, they're they're making the tournament consistently as well but maybe they're going against the gauntlet right off the bat because they're, they don't have the strength of schedule. So I think Ryan has done a great job with um, scheduling, making sure our RPI is where it needs to be, um, picking, picking teams and places in which, okay, forecasting how well they're going to do. So when we play them, uh, we put ourselves and go deep in the tournament. I've had the privilege of calling games, telling stories about Baylor athletics for a long time. Storytelling is an art. And there's a network in town doing just that. Rogue Media Network has produced over 80 original podcasts and shows ranging from comedy, true crime, business, and sports. If there's a story to tell, Rogue Media Network is telling it. You can find this podcast and all the other great Rogue Media Network shows on Spotify, on Apple, on YouTube, or anywhere you listen to podcasts. So, Joshua, we've talked a lot about different things that have recruited our student athletes to Baylor, but we want to hear a little bit about what brought you to Baylor. So in Hawaii, Hawaii has been home for for quite some time. What drew you to Waco, Texas and being part of this Baylor volleyball program? Yeah, I mean, I'll be honest, that 19 group influenced me as well. Um, so Ryan, obviously, he got coach of the year that year. Mm -hmm. I actually received national assistant coach of the year on the men's side that year. So I was at that that final four, I was at that, we were getting honored at the same time. So um, for me, uh, some of it was just hearing what the girls were saying about playing for an audience of one and um, just how that permeated throughout the program and what they were talking about on and off the court. Um, it meant, it meant more to me because that's just basically how I've always kind of treated um, athletics. And then obviously Ryan and um, his influence. And um, I reached out to him after the final four, like um, just saying, Hey, respected his program. And, um, what the girls are saying and what they were doing as well. And um, knowing I want to be a head coach one day, I like, hey, if I have a chance to even have a chance to model a program like yours, that would be big for me. 
Um, so I just sent him that note. And then like three months later, he got back because I'm sure he had a bunch of emails he was going through um, at that time. And he said he appreciated. And then, um, yeah, so that was that was that was kind of uh, my initial experience with uh, Baylor um, in general. Um, but even before that, like um, I played against Ryan when I was a uni- was uh, undergrad at University of Hawaii. And he was at Cal Baptist. And I just remember his teams always competed and played hard, regardless of if they were favored to win or not. Um, they always played hard. So, um, so yeah, when the opportunity actually came up to have a chance to be at Baylor, I was excited about the opportunity. And um, there's not too many places I was going to be willing to leave Hawaii over, yeah. but Baylor is definitely one of them. That's awesome. I feel like that's one of the incredible things about the way Ryan McGuire leads is that he he doesn't hide his faith. He doesn't hide what his mission is. And so it's really cool to hear how he's recruited student athletes by just completely being open about what Baylor volleyball is about. But then also that's how he's got all of these incredible coaches to come to wake up. So I love hearing that. Thanks. That's really good. And it had to be the right situation, right? For you to leave Hawaii. Cause you, were, you had some pretty deep roots there. Yes. Uh, my fam, my wife is from there. Um, my kids were obviously born there. They all have Hawaiian names, so um, Hawaii is very special in my heart. It, to me, it will always be home in some respect. But uh, yeah, like I mean, we were doing pretty well on the men's side. Like the team is probably going to be favored to win the cha- national championship again this year. Um, so as far as like where you want to be and um, trajectory of that program is, it's there in a great spot. So for me, especially being an undergrad from there and an alum, um, a chance to have I, the program's in a great spot. Um, the chance to to me to kind of build on something I want to do in my own coaching career, I felt that um, it, the timing could be right for me to leave and um, just got re- affirmation from God that it was time for, for that to happen. And um, Baylor was an opportunity. Yeah. So incredible career that you had in Hawaii. I mean, we talk about a men's national championship. We talked about the assistant coach of the year that you were given by the ABCA. And then you kind of made this switch to coach women. And I'm sure you've gotten this question a lot, but what <laughs> maybe, and I've asked Ryan this before too, but what's maybe the the one big difference you can point to coaching men versus coaching women now? Oh gosh. Um, people obviously say, oh, just the emotional, the emotion side of it is different, but honestly, yeah. like it's not that big of a difference. Like mm. Times have changed in general, just as far as like what, not just female athletes are doing and men athletes doing, but just the world they live in yeah. and social media and stuff that they they're valuing as more. Um, so those similarities are actually more than I thought they were going to be. But um, I would say just as far as the pure difference between the men's and the women's side is all the substitutions that uh, you have on the women's okay. side, 15, so? subs, okay. 15 subs on the women's side, six on the men's side. Wow. So just the style of playing when you have that many more subs and how many more places, players you can put in the game situationally it's almost like having somewhat an offensive team and a defensive team on the women's side versus on the men's side um the only changes you're really making are maybe some sub serving substitutions okay um but most players have to play all the way around and you're only going to be okay. as good as the, the weakest player on the team so, so six twos don't really exist in the men's game just six twos one. don't really exist in the men's side and obviously they're huge on the women's side you see like i said wisconsin one of the best teams in the country and that's what they're they've been doing um so yeah it's not nearly as big of a deal but even the positioning the opposite the right side attacker on the men's side is such a big difference between Mm -hmm. the teams that are actually having a chance to win national championships and the teams that don't have a shot that Mm -hmm. position is huge 
And I mean, you can see a team like Texas and when Logan Ellis Ellison is getting subbed out in the back row on the men's side, your best player would never get subbed out yeah, um, in any situation. Huh. So that's the biggest difference for sure. Um, on the, between the men's and the women's side. Okay. That's awesome. Yeah. That's really interesting. Uh, the difference there, uh, uh, mm. you know, tactical difference in the men's game and the women's game. Uh, back to your family. Uh, I'll pronounce your wife's name, Tehani, <laughs> right? Yes. And I'll let yes. Katie pronounce your kid's name. <laughs> Katie, you want to handle that? Yeah, yeah, that will be no problem. But I'd, I'd love so to wanna... just have Joshua do that for us. Or let's let Joshua do that. What <laughs> okay, do you think? fine, fine. <laughs> love your kids' names. Share those with us. Yeah. Okay, so um, all my kids have Hawaiian names, like I mentioned. Uh, Shiloh is her. She's the only one that has her first name is still um, more easy to pronounce. But um, <laughs> Kamanu is my my oldest son. Kamanu Kila Kila. That's his full name. Um, and his name essentially is a combination of other people in the family's name. But it um, Kila Kila is a word used to describe uh, Mane, uh, Haleakala, which is a mountain on Maui. Um, and it basically has means like poise that demands admiration. And uh, Manu in Hawaiian means bird. So that's kind of how he got his name. Uh, the next one is Kupa'a Maloi Kapo. It's my next son. He goes by Kupa'a. And his pregnancy and um, his birth essentially was all during the pandemic. Mm. So he was born in 2020 and um, his name actually means strength through the darkness. Mm. So, and he has just been a light, like his, <laughs> he is one of the friendliest babies and kids uh, you'll ever meet. Um, so I think that name is very appropriate for him. Um, and then the youngest, uh, Keahi Anapa, his name means flashing fire or lightning. Um, but we call him Keahi for sure. So he kind of goes by fire. Um, and yeah, he basically like, once again, uh, Kupa'a was born during the pandemic and he was born uh, shortly after that, basically. So they're not too far apart. So flashing fire lightning basically is fast was, was, the, <laughs> was the terminology behind that. And then all the boys have biblical names as well. Joshua for Kamanu, um, James for Kupa'a, and then um, John for Keahi. Wow, that's awesome. And JMO, just so you know, I had all of those correctly sounded oh, out. I, I, know you did. I was yeah. going to say it the exact yeah. same way. I had yeah. no doubts. Um, and then Shiloh, awesome. sorry, Shiloh, her middle name is her Hawaiian name, and her oh. middle name is um, uh, Ku'upuai Hane. Once, oh. once again, is a combination of some of the names in the family, but it means my beloved flower that gives life. Oh, I love that. That's I love so, that. Oh, that's so special. <laughs> that's how has your family's transition to Waco been? I'm sure Lake Waco maybe doesn't compare to the others, <laughs> but there are some great things here and great people. So how have y'all liked living in Waco? Yeah, it's been great. I mean, we were able to afford a house, so we were able to get some get them here and comfortable, which which was big for me. Um, Shiloh's in the Midway School District, and she's going to Park Hill Elementary. Um, so she's really close, brand new elementary school, but it's very close to the house, which yeah. is it's good and convenient for her um, my mother-in-law came with us so that's been a big help just as far as like balancing um, the kids kind of being everywhere but um, because most of them are so young only Shiloh's going to school right now um, we'll try to get Kamanu into preschool in the new year but um, uh, yeah they it's all kind of been an adjustment Shiloh's been busy with school stuff and then Kamanu he's just like he's excited to start school but um, mom has just been teaching him at the house and um, yeah, they, I think the adjustment has been great considering um, how different things have been. Uh, 
they're definitely like the weather is like heaven. <laughs> they could easily just be in slippers and um, shorts the whole day, the whole day in Hawaii. But here it's like, oh, yep, you guys can put on jackets and stuff when we go outside and that kind of yeah. stuff. So, um, but they've enjoyed everything so far. Hmm. Talking about your uh, reason, your connection with Coach McGuire. Uh, part of that, obviously, is your belief, you know, in your faith and and the way Coach McGuire McGuire runs the program. And you're a perfect fit, you know, to be added to the staff here. Um, how much of a factor? How much of a factor really was that in you taking this job here at Baylor? It was everything. I mean. I told Ryan, like, as we kind of got through the process and like, it was less and less, it felt like it was my decision and more like God tell me like, yeah, this is time, yeah. it's time for you to go. And this is what you kind of need to do. Um, so from that standpoint, it was just kind of hands off and everything has just kind of fallen into place as it's need to be. So um, I would say just being faithful has just made things that much easier in my life um, for sure. I mean, cause you don't have many people that are going through switching jobs, moving, and having a baby all in the same within four weeks of yeah. the time period. Um, so yeah, everything's just kind of falling into place. And um, yeah, it's to me like being a coach and um, that aspect of it, it's yes, you want to win. Yes. You want to have success, but it's the chance to influence young minds as well into things that are going to be that beneficial for them way past um, their four or five years that they have at college. Um, so that's one of the main reasons I got into coaching and, um, and yeah, yeah, you want to win on the way, but there's definitely, uh, I feel great, better ways to do it. Um, so, um, that's where me and Ryan just kind of, I think that's why we kind of clicked early and just kind of had the same mindset as far as how, how to influence the girls in a positive way. And then the volleyball stuff, it's to me, it's just exciting to keep learning different ways and different, different, um, ideas behind ways to improve. Um, so that standpoint, it's it's nice to get even more more um, experience. Yeah, certainly so much transition all at once. I love what you said, though, about it got to the point where you felt like you were just being faithful and that's what God wanted you to do. And you couldn't say no. Um, so I love that that's part of why you ended up in Waco kind of came around a time of a lot of transition with the entire staff moving on to awesome things. So excited for those people. But what has that kind of been like the, I don't want to say starting from scratch, because obviously the program has some things very set in place that, and Ryan has been that consistent leader, but bringing in so many new ideas, what's that been like? That's been very interesting. That's a great question because uh, yeah, like my experience of working in college athletics, you don't have that many people kind of leave around the same time. So for Ryan, I can I mean, that's one of the things about being a head coach. It's balancing that. Obviously, they went on to better things, but um, that that's a lot to lose. Yeah. Both assistants lose support staff and strength coach and academic all the way down um, to have to kind of balance that and try to get the right people back in place to, to carry this group to where everybody wants to be. Um, so I think he, was, he did a great job being diligent about who. And um, because of that, I think we've all kind of just kind of um, synced together. Like Jahida has been great. Working with her has been great. Definitely a different background than I'm, than I have being from the Dominican Republic. So it's a completely different um, um, mindset she has when she comes to the practice gym. And I've felt that in general, you want to have different personalities. You want to have different experiences because with the players, you just want to be able to relate mm. um, to the players as much as possible. So I think our staff is, pretty diverse and I think that kind of builds on top of it and that goes straight into the support staff as well and 
like Nicole, who's uh, she's been a rock star on the men's side. You don't have at nearly as many director of ops, but I I know um, just from my experience, a lot of stuff I had to do at Hawaii. She she's taking she that's her main job, and she goes above and beyond um, with just the simple stuff and just making sure things are organized and that kind of stuff. And um, because she's been great, because Jahid has been great, Will Wire, technical coordinator. Connor Payne, our other volunteer assistant coach, because they've they've been wanting to pour so much into the girls, it's kind of easy to work with people that are um, all have the same kind of focus and all want to get the same thing. So even if we have differences and we don't agree on everything, um, we can work it out and we can have conversations because we all want the same thing for the for the group. Yeah, it's a terrific staff. Uh, we're really glad you're here. One of the things you bring is uh, real success, back to back national championships at Hawaii. What was the what were those experiences like for you, both of them? They were great. Um, it was interesting. Like our situation at Hawaii was more unique than most because um, on the men's side, actually the last like five national champions have repeated. Um, but this group was pretty different from the team that won it in 21. So obviously we had the pandemic in 2020 and on the men's side being in the spring, it shut down the season. Going in that season, we had been favored to win. We were like number one preseason all the way through. Um, had a sold out match, 10,300 people against BYU. Um, it won that in five and then the pandemic hits and everything shuts down. So all those guys that have been there were mostly seniors, really had to take upon themselves to kind of work hard to get back to even have a chance to restart the season and win. And we went from having 10,000 fans to having no fans essentially that whole 21 season. Hmm. So it's a very different, um, very different for those who play in Hawaii and used to Hawaii and understand the fan base to have nobody in the stands. Um, but that group was so determined to kind of finish what they started um, that they were able to push through and we were able to win in 21. And that's the first championship they won since um, early 2000. But that one actually got taken away. So it was really the first one they had won in a long time. Um, different coaching staff, like everything was pretty different. So that was kind of a breakthrough moment um, for sure for the program. And then going into 20, this past season, uh, 22 for, for the men, uh, you we basically only returned three starters of that group. Everybody else is new. So it's like there you had a nice core of players that had success, but they hadn't done it at the highest level. They weren't first team All-Americans at their position, all that kind of stuff. So them navigating through the year um, and finding ways to win the team ended up losing five times this past year. Before that, those that group had only lost four times the past three seasons total. Wow. <laughs> so all that having a lot more adversity in that season, still find a way to break through at the end um and win. Uh that that was huge for that for that group to do it because it's mostly the same group that's back now. So um it's it was, I would say it was a great experience just understanding. Um, the difference between having a veteran team kind of going through the process that got close in 19, didn't quite get it, was able to break through. And then another young group coming in that had a bunch of veterans leave um, and still figure it out and get through it. Um, for me, Baylor was a very same situation, very similar situation because you had so many veteran players leave um, this past year. So this year is like, oh, it's a new group. Yossi's not here. What's going to happen? Like, what are you going to do? And um it's once again, it's this young group. Players just have to step up. They know what it looks like. They've been in the gym. They know what it feels like. They know what the expectation is and keep building towards that. So um, I think that the experience I've had with the men's team has set me up very well for um, this team right now. 
Yeah, that's awesome. It seems like just like you said, your experience has set you up to be in the right place at the right time. So I'm excited to see how that all gets started this weekend, or I guess Thursday. So tomorrow, golly, that's coming really quick. What's kind of one thing that y'all are focusing on right now in practice to get ready for these first and second rounds this weekend? Yeah, for us, it's uh, still being confident on our side of the net. I think that's kind of been a theme that we've had the last few weeks of the season. Uh, that we know if we're playing at our best level, we have a chance to to win every game. And if we're playing okay, we still have a chance to win. Um, so it's still focusing on our side of the net a lot, just as far as like um, connections with the setter, being able to hit the ball hard um, more consistently um, and in rallies. So that's mostly what we kind of been focusing on. Um, obviously the serving pass is probably the biggest differentiator in the top teams in the tournament. Um, so that's been a key for us, but for us, for sure, it's just putting our hitters in position to be confident, taking the swings that they've been doing all season and trying to get more of those opportunities and put pressure on anybody that we face. What do you think about the teams that are headed to Waco? You talked about Stephen F. Austin, but what about Rice and uh, Colorado? Yeah, well, Stephen F. Austin, um, to start, uh, they've had a lot of success this past year. They haven't played a team, um, a Power 5 team, they haven't played a team um, with the same size that we have but their setters are really good. I think their setters are the reason why they had such a great season. They didn't win the regular season. They won their conference tournament, which is why they um, they are here, but they're still the two seed in, in the regular season in the WAC. So um, a lot of good experience, got some size, got a 6'4", six, 6'5", six, uh, right side attacker um, running. The, yeah, so like I said, they're, uh, I think their setters are the reason for their success. And anytime that's the case, it's always going to be tough. Um, with Colorado, uh, just started kind of watching them a little bit now, kind of went through their season. Uh, I would say it was as they've done some different things with some of their rotations uh, that has kind of helped them be more efficient than probably they they have been. They could have been with the with the kind of players that they have. Um, but I'm as the more I'm watching is to my to me, it kind of reminds me of like the caliber of a Pepperdine team, a team that we lost to early in the year, just as far as like the skill positions that it have and where they lean in the most. Um, um, that's, that's why they're in the tournament. They're a good team for sure. And then Rice, obviously we played and it's a veteran group. The setter's good. Uh, they've found ways to win tight games. They found ways to win easily. Uh, so for them, it's, it's more of just like, okay, can, how long can they keep doing the same things that they've been doing? We are obviously we're able to sweep them there. Um, but that was one of the best games we played all year. So we want to try to keep replicating that, those kind of games against everybody we play, but Rice for sure. I think that Rice Colorado matchup is is going to be a good one for sure because both teams have uh, found success, and uh, I think Rice is somewhat of a team that teams want to underestimate, but you can't you can't do that against them. They will absolutely find ways to keep themselves in the game. Very good. All right, it all begins on Thursday in the Farrell Center. Baylor hosting Rice and Colorado at four thirty on Thursday. Baylor and Stephen F. Austin at seven o'clock on Thursday. Winners meet in the second round on Friday at seven p.m. Coach Walker, thanks for your time. We appreciate it. Good luck. Congratulations on a great season already, and good luck as you head down the NCAA path. All right. Thanks again for having me, John and Katie. Appreciate it. Thanks. Have you been looking for a new podcast to listen to? Are you interested in true crime, funny one-star reviews, or inspiring stories? What about the history of Waco or the famous people who have lived and worked here? All these and more are produced by Rogue Media Network. There are over 80 different shows, including this one, with more coming all the time. If there's a story to tell, Rogue Media Network is telling it. Watch on YouTube or listen now wherever you get your podcasts.
Katie, a lot of fun. I know this is your wheelhouse with volleyball. <laughs> and it is. It's my early Christmas. Yeah. Merry Christmas to you. <laughs> but isn't it fun? What a great team. What a great program. And Coach Walker and Jahida Cadet and everybody just fits in so well here at Baylor. It really does. Love the dynamic of this coaching staff. Like like we said with Joshua, it's new. It's different. Um, but it is all of them are so locked into the same goal, same mission. Uh, so I'm really excited to see what this really fresh Baylor program does this postseason. I like that talk about the 1919, I mean, 2019 yeah. uh, Final Four makes, yeah. makes me want to get back there with Baylor. I know. So much fun. So much you were fun. there. Yeah, it was awesome. So fun. Wish they would have won, but yes. this might be our year. All right. Well, we appreciate Coach Joshua Walker being with us, Baylor Volleyball. For Katie Smith and Coach Walker, I'm John Morris. Thanks for being with us on this week's Sikkim Podcast, powered by Rogue Media Network. You've been listening to the Sikkim Podcast, powered by Rogue Media Network. The Sikkim Podcast is a production of Baylor Athletics. Baylor Athletics.